You know what it is. There's no sense in me telling you what it is. It's the reason why you're here. It is Wednesday and you are tuned in to Face It With The Father. I am Minister Kevin D. Jones Sr. I am here with my brother from another mother, Larry Bernard Jr. And we want to welcome you to Face It With The Father. Face It With The Father is a biblically based movement where we strive to face real world incidents through the greatest lens that the Lord has ever given us. That is the word of God. Today, in a unique fashion, we're going to face a, a kind of new topic. Today, we're going to face redemption with the Father. Let's go. As we stated already, today we are facing redemption with the Father. Uh, redemption is a new topic. Redemption is not one that we deal with too often. Uh, redemption is one of those terms that, that some people would call churchy. Uh, it is a, uh, a congregational term. It is a term for what many would call maybe the culture Christian, the person that is church, the person that is regularly attending. Uh, maybe you hear the term redemption and fundamentally it makes sense, but there is a desire to expound on it a little bit more. We're going to take flight on that. Every person who has a desire for God needs to know what redemption is. If you have a good understanding of redemption, you will die to the notion of any measure of your past being quote unquote so bad that God doesn't want you. Uh, we begin to reference the Lexham's theological word book. And when they talk about the term redemption, they say redemption relates to deliverance from a situation or from enemies. Most often, he goes on to say, uh, this involves paying a price to buy back the person or, he says, uh, the thing that is being ransomed. The word most frequently expresses the process of delivering someone from slavery or exchanging a ransom for something that belongs to God, such as a firstborn child in a family. When you think about the term redemption, redemption is the cornerstone of salvation. There is no conversation about salvation without a full understanding of redemption. When we sinned in this world, we violated the covenant and the agreement that we had with God. As we sin, we put greater distance between us and God and sin creates a debt that must be paid. Sin is essentially the reason why we need a savior. However, because sin becomes so rampant sometimes in our lives, it leaves us believing that we don't stand a chance, as if we can't recover, as if we can't be forgiven. But God is inviting us to this beautiful place of redemption because God wants you to understand and the Bible is going to share with us as we face it. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how bad you've been, 
God has a redemptive plan, a price to pay to bring you back into fellowship with him. To begin to get redemption, I want you to meet me in Luke chapter five. Luke chapter five, we're looking together at verses 27 through 32. There the Bible reads, it says, after these things, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So he, that is Levi, left all, rose up and followed him. Then Levi gave him a great feast in his own house. And there were a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with them. And their scribes and Pharisees complained against his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered and said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Three things I want us to gather today as we begin to face the concept of redemption. And if you need the concept of redemption, and let me help you, uh, if you have ears, if you have eyes, if you're able to obtain this, uh, this, this, this media that we're sharing with you, then I trust that you should know that every one of us needs redemption. So I'm telling you, this lesson is one of those unique lessons that's for everybody. Redemption is a topic that we all stand in need of journey with me as we grow. Uh, the first thing I want us to understand, the first thing out of the gate is redemption demands that we have to see life this way. When man says no to you, God will always say yes. That is when man says no to you, God will always say yes. We get this thought in verses 27 and 28. He says, and after these things, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office. He said to him, follow me. So he, that's Levi, the tax collector, left all, rose up and followed him. Really something interesting interesting happens here uh, in the narrative, in the story. At around chapter 5, verse number 17, down to verse number 26, Jesus performs a miracle. The performance of this miracle takes place right before uh, the call of Levi. Uh, the, the performance of the miracle, the thing that he does is he heals a paralytic. That is, he heals a man who cannot move, who was unable to move. And because this man who was unable to move came into contact with Christ, mobility was restored in his life. What I really love is what it says at the end at around verse number 25 in Luke chapter five. It says immediately he rose up before them took up what he had been lying on and departed to his own house, glorifying God. Verse 26 says, and they were all amazed and they glorified God and were filled with fear saying, I love it. We have seen strange things today. You know, what's interesting is I love that God is always on top of it. I mean, he's always um, just marvelous in his movement, excellent in his execution. Uh, and, and when they saw they saw strange things, I, I almost can see God in his awesome way saying you haven't seen anything yet. After they watched God 
give mobility to a man who had none. That is, God gave the ability to move his limbs to a man who was paralyzed. The Lord Jesus, after that fact, would go on in verse number 27. The Bible says, after these things, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office. Uh, Levi is an interesting figure. Levi, uh, if you follow the synoptic gospels, the synoptic gospels are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, they are known as such because they're written in similar fashion. If you follow them, you understand that the man Levi is actually Matthew. You see the same narrative in Matthew chapter nine, verse number nine, where he calls Matthew, Matthew, Levi, they are one and the same. He calls Levi, but what's really interesting is I really want you to appreciate that while he calls him, he calls him knowing that he is a tax collector. A tax collector at this time is a unique individual. A tax collector is one who is a Jew, but he disconnects or disassociates himself mildly from the Jews to align himself with the Romans to take taxation from the Jews to give to the Romans. The Romans were, uh, they were the then rulers of the Jews. They were exercising dominion and authority over them. And the Romans uh, would utilize tax collectors to extract funds to continue to for, for uh, to continue to fund rather uh, the Roman conquest and the building of the Roman Empire. Now the Romans knew full well that the tax collectors were uh, greasy, kind of sleazy individuals. That is, they had full knowledge that the tax collector would extract more than he was directed. He would shave off a portion for himself and give to them, and the Romans could care less, inasmuch as the tax, tax collector was indeed collecting. This person is likened unto one who is a member of an oppressed group, but leaves the oppressed group to align himself with the oppressor, to join the oppressor in oppressing the oppressed. Well, that's the tax collector. The tax collector was despised. The tax collector was hated. No one was a fan or a friend of the tax collector. But the Bible says that Jesus, after he had done this thing, after they said, we've seen some strange things today, Jesus would go on to essentially say, you haven't seen anything yet. He went outside and he saw Levi, a tax collector, and he told the tax collector, I want you to follow me. This may not seem like much to us, but you've got to appreciate the then known culture concerning tax collectors. Meet me, if you will, Matthew chapter five and verse number 46. Jesus is beginning to expound to his listening audience to show how they should be different, how he's looking for them to. I don't want you as people of God to just be ordinary people. You have to strive for higher. You've got to love stronger. You've got to give stronger. Your light has to shine brighter. He begins to contrast the existence of the people of God. Matthew chapter five, verse 46, the Bible says, for if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet your brethren only, he says, uh, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do, do that also. Jesus uses the parallel because he's saying that if you just give love to people that love you, you're no better than everybody else in the world. I mean, if people just love people that look like them and support people that look like them, then really you're not really executing what it is to be a Christian. Uh, he 
he's saying that that's something that tax collectors do. And he raises the tax collector because the tax collector fundamentally is not a person that you would expect anything good from. Keep that thought. Meet me now in Matthew chapter 18. Jesus is going a bit further and Jesus is now talking about what to do with people who don't respond well to congregational discipline. So in around chapter uh, 18, we're looking together at verse number 16. He says, uh, but if he will not hear, take with you one or two more that they may be uh, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. Verse 17. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses to hear even the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. It's powerful that you know that he says like a heathen and a tax collector. That is, Jesus kind of marries these two together because that was a righteous marriage. Remember, Jesus was incapable of lying. So it is an honest thing to say that you could righteously parallel the heathen and the tax collector into a mutual agreement and you wouldn't miss the fundamental truth established in the parable. Well, Jesus goes outside and Jesus looks at a at a tax collector, the worst of the worst, the, the standard of what it is to do the bare minimum, the standard of how you ought to treat someone who doesn't act right in the church. I'm talking about this was the despised of society. This was the ugly of society. And Jesus says, that's the one I want. I want the one that you reject. I want the one that you neglect. I want the one that you don't want. That's the one that I want. I want you to understand that when it comes down to the Lord that we serve, listen carefully as I share with you that when man says no, God says yes. You see, God had a mission for him and his mission that God had for him was a mission relevant to his present in spite of his past. Carrying on to verses 29 through 30, we're back once again at Luke chapter 5. Uh, the Bible says, Then Levi gave him a great feast in his own house. There were a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with them. And there, scribes and the Pharisees complained against his, that's Jesus' disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners. After we understand that when man says no, God says yes, we graduate to our second point. Our second point, if you will allow, is simply this. Your past may very well make way for your purpose. Could it be that who the tax collector was in his former day would prove beneficial in his glory days? That is, is there power in your past? I say that because I know more than a handful of people who have a fear of coming to God because they can't even let go of their past. There is this desire to be freed from it, but there is just a struggle to actually see that to manifest. I really want you to understand deep and wholeheartedly that God can not only forgive you of your past, redeem you from your past, but God can even utilize your past powerfully in your sanctified present. 
In this passage, I want you to note very clearly what's happening here. You see, the Lord called Levi and Levi now opens up a great feast in his house. And Levi now has the access to bring Christ in connection with the people that need him. That is, Levi, like all of us, we are, you know, birds of a feather flock together. So as preachers kind of congregate with preachers and plumbers congregate with plumbers and teachers congregate with teachers, tax collectors congregate with tax collectors. And Jesus has demonstrated in his calling of Levi that the Lord is showing that I can use the despised of society and I can redeem them and give them powerful purpose for their future. So who better to call than a man that can bring tax collectors together at mass? The Pharisees couldn't have done it. The scribes couldn't have done it, and we'll see why in just a moment. But it is true that Levi, Matthew, had the reach. He had the ability. He had the access to tax collectors. He had the influence in their circle. He could go to them and he could tell them, listen, I know that we have kind of been despised by religious leaders, but I found an amazing religious leader. I'm talking about he's the one we've been hearing about, the one raising the dead, the one giving sight to the blind, the one that's giving hearing to the deaf. This Jesus actually has a space for us. The despised, the tax collector, he is actually a religious leader that wants to connect with us, wants to build with us, wants to have fellowship with us. These tax collectors come together at mass to a fellowship at Matthew's house because they finally get a welcome from a religious leader. And let's be clear, all sinners need salvation. And people that are saved don't need any additional salvation. So when Jesus calls Levi, he utilizes the connections of his past powerfully in his present. We've seen that before. Our eyes maybe not remember Matthew chapter four, if you'll turn there with me. The Lord, as he is calling his first initial disciples, I want you to pay close attention to how the Lord can correlate your past powerfully to your present. In Matthew chapter four, I want you to meet me at verse number 18. The Bible says, as Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. Then he said, then he said to them, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. It's powerful to appreciate that point because what Jesus was saying was, I'm going to use the practicality of your past life to empower you to move and do in your present life. That is, you know what it is to be a fisher. You know that it takes patience. You know that it takes time. You know that you've got to be in it for the long haul. You just can't be short term. You know that you've got to be committed. It's not a successful catch unless you catch. You've got to bring something in. He says, I want you to take that skill set that you had as a fisherman in the past, and I want you to become a fisher of men. That is, I can use your past powerfully in your present. You know there are individuals that believe that, you know what, because of who I used to be, God can't use me today. I'm telling you fundamentally, it is because of who you used to be that God wants to use you today. You know, there's a person that believes that alcoholics can't come to God, but there can't be a better display to lead alcoholics to Christ than for an alcoholic himself to be able to stand and to share his story of how he was redeemed and delivered.
Some would say that drug dealers can't come to God. But what happens when the Lord himself, through his saving power and his saving grace, touches the heart, the soul of a drug dealer who goes back and begins to share with others who are still caught in that fast money life that I'm telling you, there is love on the other side. He changed me. He helped me. He can help you, too. You know, I think about just in my own life, what it is to be a soldier and to know the unique experiences of soldiers, the impact of PTSD and being able to allow soldiers to see that one of the great things that we need more than anything, we're thankful for the VA counselors. We're thankful for the programs that they have in place. But I really loved sharing with soldiers that the greatest thing that you need is a connection with God. It's because your past has a purpose in your present for your service. You can use those days of where you came from to empower and use you in today. And let's be clear, it is understanding that fact that separates what I like to call Christians from church folk. Yeah, if you look close in the text, uh, the scribes and the Pharisees, they are what you call church folk and church folk are people that just go to church. I want you to know it, it is said it is true. Uh, people say, you know, one of the reasons why I don't want to go to church is because they're hypocrites in the church. And, and I tell you, as a person that leads a church that, yes, every church has some hypocrites in the church. But I would tell you right now. You know, every grocery store has hypocrites in there, too. And hey, well, you know, you're going to go right because of what you need on the inside. Well, the point is, is that, yeah, you can't miss it because Jesus brought all Jesus has brought a crowd together and he used Levi tax collectors to do it. Tax collectors all in the building, tax collectors all around the house and all these tax collectors. He rejected members of society, the ugly, the low, the ones that Jesus used righteously as a standard for doing the bare minimum or how you ought to treat somebody that doesn't do right. And Jesus now has an audience with them and he's fellowshipping with them and he's eating with them. And he's not trying to allow them to change him to be like them. No, he knows that he's there to at least share his worldview so that they might begin to become a follower of him. But there goes the church folk. Church folk just ruining the thing. Bible would go on further to tell us around about verse number uh, uh, 20, uh, verse number 30. Rather, the Bible says, and their scribes and Pharisees complain against his disciples, saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? You know, here's the interesting thing about it. We establish in the first point that when man says no, God says yes. For all my church folk that could be watching, I pray ain't too many, but but if they are, I'm glad to have you. But listen, church folk, don't forget that you used to be a no. You used to be a no. There was a time before you became who you are today that you didn't look the way you look. You didn't talk the way you talk. You didn't act the way that you act. There was a time when you were in the same shoes, the same position, the same set of existence of these tax collectors. And just like they needed the Lord in their lives, well, you needed him too. First Corinthians chapter six is a passage that I love. Paul, as he's beginning to expound to the church in Corinth, he's talking to them about the power of transformation. He's making very clear. You just can't live a sinful life. You can't treat people wrong. You can't do wrong and expect God to deliver you. That's just not how it works. We have to wake up with a passionate interest in having faith in Jesus Christ, serving our Lord and Savior, being a light in the world and striving to be good to mankind at large. He would go on 
going further to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 9, the Bible powerfully says, listen carefully. He says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. I love verse 11. And such were some of you. The only difference in those who are judging people and the people you're judging is this. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. That is, I don't care who you are. I don't care where you're from. I don't care how you live. Every person has a past and that past has an ugly narrative to tell about you, a true narrative, an honest narrative. And the change in that narrative has been gone. And if we're being truthfully honest, even as God changed the narrative, even today, we still know that there are blemishes in the record. And if it wasn't for repentance and continued remission, that record would go back to being as ugly as it was before. That is, I know what it is to be a sinner and I know even today what it is to struggle with sin. So if I'm ever in a space where I am surrounded by people who need that connection, I can not only sympathize, but I can empathize. Levi is a powerful tool that the Lord uses because Levi brings together people that wouldn't have been brought together otherwise because his past had an effective use in his present. Let's wrap this thing up. Our last point back at our lesson text is never forget Jesus's mission is the messy. Jesus is not looking for the holy. He's not looking for the sanctified. He's not looking for the, the, the called. He's not looking for the perfect. He's not looking for the, the, the upright, the do-gooders. That's not who Jesus is looking for, because if they operate as they should with a measure of humility and grace, they would understand that he doesn't have to look for me. I have been made such because he found me already. Jesus's mission is the messy. I'm talking to any person who believes that you're so far gone, so distant, so wayward, so wicked, so deep that God can't touch you or use you. The devil is a liar and he's always been a liar. And his greatest space of exercising his deception is oftentimes in the way that we think. First Timothy chapter one, as we get ready to land the plane today, Paul talking to his son in the gospel and Paul, the, the reason why we have the mass majority of the New Testament is talking to him about his former life. At around verse number 12, in chapter one, the Bible says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Let's face redemption with the father. I don't care who you are, where you are, how bad it is. 
please know, trust, believe and understand that that's all the more reason why the Lord is moving in your life. It is a defeated devil's agenda to try to sell you on the notion that your past is so bad that God doesn't want you. And the only reason why he's doing that is because he's hoping that you might fall for it and believe it. The Lord says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. All of you all that are just sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I will give you rest. There isn't a person listening to this video right now that is so far gone that God doesn't love you. He wants you in your mess because your mess will empower your message for the master. Let us pray. Almost righteous and heavenly father. Thank you so much for your redemptive power. Thank you for loving us, touching us, helping us, redeeming us, reaching us, Lord. We thank you for not leaving us. We thank you for believing in us, for helping us, for pushing us, dear Lord, for giving us the love that we felt in our hearts that we didn't deserve. Lord, we need it from you. We know that it's hard to find it in this world. Lord, it's a reminder as we meditate on your love that this world is not our home and we are just passing through. But while we're here, give us the strength to share the message with as many people as will listen, that there is love at the throne for every person that will approach regardless of who you are. King Jesus, we praise you. We thank you and we love you. These and all prayers we ask in your son Jesus name we pray. Let us all say amen. Well, hey, that is our time. As always, we thank you for stopping in and connecting with us here at Face It With The Father. Do me a favor. Do me a favor. Two things, if you don't mind. Take a moment. Pick up your phone. I want you to open up your podcast app. That is your Apple Podcast app or whatever podcast app you use on your Android phone, uh, Spotify, whatever. I want you to open up and I want you to search for F-I-W-T-F. F-I-W-T-F. Uh, and I want you to subscribe. That is Face It With The Father, the podcast. That's where we share this information with you. We'd love to connect with you there. Also, also, if you're so inclined, maybe you feel like, you know, it's really been a blessing. You can be a financial supporter of uh, Face It With The Father. Visit us at FIWTF. There is a link there where you can donate and support this effort. Whatever you can give is, 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 is a blessing. We thank you. And if not, just share the word with somebody. And that is help plenty enough. Connect with us on social media at FIWTF on Instagram and, and, and Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Uh, on Facebook, you can find us at Face It With The Father. Uh, also, connect with Pembroke Park, www.pembrokeparkcoc.com. And of course, at Instagram and Twitter at Pembroke Park COC. And of course, on Facebook, Pembroke Park Church of Christ. On behalf of myself, Minister Kevin D. Jones Sr., my brother from another, the producer of this great podcast and this biblical movement, Larry Bernard Jr. and the saints of the Pembroke Park Church of Christ. We thank you for stopping in with us. In this life, you're going to face a lot. Highs, lows, ups and downs, lefts and right. But whatever you endure in this life, make sure you face it with the Father. Take care and be blessed.